Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Proculus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Pomathes, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. May God bless and add his understanding to the reading of his holy word. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated, and let us pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that is so instructive and true. Help us to listen and to open ourselves to that reality today that you would speak and we would hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, for any of you who don't know me, I'm Richard Evans. I am the assistant pastor of Compassionate Care. And very, very shortly, I will be one of two assistant pastors at the church. And we're super excited about that. Now, delegation is not one of my strengths. In case you haven't known me for long, if you've known me for any time, you'll know that is not one of my strengths. It's something I've struggled with my whole life. And some of us have an adage that if something is worth doing, it's worth doing well. And which means to some of us, it means doing it yourself, because if you let anybody else do it, it won't get done, or at least not how you want it. My father had a similar, although opposite adage, which was, if they ask me to do something, I do it badly the first time, they never ask me to do it again. <laughs> now, you might be asking, where am I going with all of this this morning? Well, it would not have escaped your notice that today we're ordaining and installing Scott as assistant pastor of mission, and we are super excited about this. And for Scott, is the culmination of six years, and indeed his whole life up until this point, prayer, work, study, exams, and deepening of his faith. When he started that particular journey, he wasn't even married or have a child, so there you go. <laughs> Amazing things happen during that time of life. And truly, as tempting as it is that we delegate everything now to Scott and the rest of us can sit out, that is not his role. And it is not the role of any of us on staff or any of us in the church, ordained or not. Because we're very much, as a church body, we are a team. And we're all called to play a part in what God is calling us to do. Some of you might remember Pastor Dustin's way of putting this, that he as the pastor is not the NASCAR driver that we all cheer as he drives around the track, but he's the football coach that coaches us as we get out there on the field and play the game. Some of the roles on the team are very upfront and noticeable. Others are very behind the scenes and perhaps almost hidden, but they're all vitally important. Today, again, as we've mentioned in the announcements, we are collecting names of those we would like to consider to serve as deacons and elders in our church. 
which means delegating to them particular roles and ministry opportunities. And uh, so how appropriate then that we look at this passage this morning from chapter 6 of Acts, where many would consider these are the first deacons in the church. And it's the same model that we have today. We have deacons and we have elders and we have members. Elders and deacons are nominated, elected, ordained, and given those particular unique roles. And they're elected and ordained by the members of the body. But this does not mean, as I say, that the body gets to rest and do nothing while they do all of the work. So as we experience this together today, let us ask ourselves, are there parts of our church life and our home lives and our work lives that need some delegation? Do we experience areas of life that include conflict and overload, where there is a need of including others in the work and in the ministry, or a need to see growth and, and for us to be growing? And hopefully we'll see all of this from the example of the early church in this area. In these opening verses of chapter 6 of Acts, Luke shows us that out of some adversity, the early church learnt an invaluable lesson that we still need to be reminded of today. Because too often we can get the idea that the early church had everything together, they did everything right, everything just fell into place. Well, we will see throughout our reading and also through the study of the book of Acts, which we will be doing next year, this isn't the case. They have the same tri trials and tribulations that we go through today as well. And they had conflict. I read a modern example of this, where a church experienced a devastating split. And when the time was taken to find what the root of that problem was, what caused this split in the church, it was discovered it had all begun because an elder had had a smaller piece of ham on his plate than the child sat next to him at a potluck dinner. Now we laugh, but it's often the smallest of things that become the biggest of problems. In our reading, the apostles deal with a potentially div divisive and damaging issue with great wisdom, and this has much to teach us that can affect our church, our lives, and our relationships. So the question I would have us consider together today is, what are the effects of delegation for us today? What are the effects of delegation for us today? And I hope you will agree that delegation is a good thing and not just something for other people to be doing. As I say, very often we take the jobs ourselves and we say yes whenever we're asked for advice or help. But to say no, to get somebody else involved, is not an abdication of responsibility, but an enabling of others and equipping them to serve with their own gifts and talents as well. There are many occasions when we can and we must step up and be prepared that you might be delegated to. I'm very grateful to those of you who have been delegated to and are going to be helping with VBS this week. Although I've stepped up and I'm not sure how a rugby player coaching soccer is going to really work. It might be a very interesting week. But the whole situation of delegation comes about in our reading today due to a threat of a division in a setting of great growth. Which brings us to this first effect of delegation, which is that division can be combated. 
division can be combated. Let's look at verse 1 together. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, as I said, this happens when the church is experiencing great growth. That's usually a sign of a healthy church, right? Growing numbers numerically and spiritually. But when that happens, we also experience growing pains. A large influx of converts with different backgrounds, ideas, and personalities that was bound to cause some tension and some differences of opinion about maybe how practical items needed to be taken care of. The issue here is, very obviously, that the widows of one group are not being cared for as well, or even at all, compared to the widows of the other. Both groups are composed of those within the church body, but they come from very different Jewish backgrounds. The Hellenists, or those of a Greek-speaking background, that's what he's referring to, those of a Greek-speaking background, They're primarily originated from the surrounding countries. They had come at Pentecost to visit Jerusalem and have remained ever since. And then the Hebrews, those who originated from Jerusalem and the the surrounding countryside, and they mainly spoke Aramaic. There was perhaps a little bit of a language barrier, and even more so perhaps a cultural barrier. And the accusation arose that those who were in charge, being mainly of a Hebrew background, were favoring their widows rather than the widows of those uh, of a Greek-speaking background. Now, rather than assigning blame, rather than saying, well, it's your fault, not my fault, and getting into some sort of argument, the apostles settle this in a very meaningful way and a great solution by making the people a part of the solution. Because we tell from the names of the seven that they mainly come from a Hellenistic background. They're combating, therefore, the division by not only solving the issue, but recognizing that the Hellenist Jews are legitimate within the body and just as important as the Hebrews. Now, the question arises, how does this form of delegation affect us today? For the most part, we come from similar backgrounds. We speak a similar language, although some people struggle with my English sometimes. (laughs) And yet we can delegate and still help combat division. Just as growth was at the root of the issue, we can experience that too, whether it be growing as a church or if you grow in your family or grow in your business. Making sure that everybody is welcome included, valued, given responsibility, all of which will not be to the detriment of others, and that is vital. One pastor put it this way, with growth, some will feel overlooked or not warmly greeted. The problem is that many of you, you don't know who the visitors are and who are regulars. Someone might feel slighted they did not receive a meal when sick or a call. What is necessary is to not ignore that problem, but find ways to welcome and serve one another more effectively. The challenge is one to be met. In our own way, we're trying to meet that kind of challenge and combat division. That's part of the reason we have the turn and greet time, if anyone hasn't wondered why, so that you can get to know people. And uh, it combats that feeling of not being known or welcomed. 
We have our disability ministry, which is a very visual and obvious way that we're trying to include people. We have upcoming opportunities like Alpha and Camp Levi and discipleship groups, to name just a few ways in this way. So let's move to the second effect of delegation, which is the risk of overload will be reduced. The risk of overload will be reduced. It's clear that the disciples realized they needed to concentrate on what their first calling was to the word, the teaching of the word. Let's look at verses two to four. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. It's now time as the church grows, for the apostles to delegate the responsibility of the daily distribution to those who can be trusted with the task. For them to try and do everything would invariably lead to overload and ultimately benefit no one. Does anybody resonate with that? Nobody's overloaded ever? Good, you're all doing delegation well. I know for a fact that all of us experience that from time to time. In fact, I read of one historian, this was a good example, I thought, that Jimmy Carter was so detail-orientated at first, when he took office, he was involved in scheduling people who would play tennis on the White House courts. Now, I don't know how true that is, but it makes a good point, doesn't it? If we don't delegate, we will overload ourselves, we will become ineffective, and we will not only affect us, but the people around us as well threatening our health, endangering personal relationships, marriages, parenting, friendship. Reminds me of Moses all the way back in Exodus. And his father-in-law had to get involved and tell him, hey, you're doing too much. You need to delegate a little bit. And he does this. And then in verses 24 to 26 of Exodus 18, we read what Moses did. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any smaller matter they decided themselves. Now notice what Jethro doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey Moses, give all this work away and then you can go and fish for 40 years. He says, give this stuff to people who can be trusted and then you can concentrate on what God is calling you to do. This past week, we've temporarily gone from three hospice chaplains to two hospice chaplains. And I'll admit, when that was first uh, told to me, I was feeling a little overwhelmed and overloaded. But through some meetings and some delegation, I'm feeling great about it now. And it's going to work out uh, in this temporary time. It's going to work out well. All that to say, I'm preaching to myself as much to anybody else here in the room. And this brings us nicely to effect number three of the art of delegation. Involves everyone in the work. Involves everyone in the work. Verses five and six. And what they said pleased the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Proculus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. 
These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid hands on them. If you've been in any form of leadership, whether it be in the church, in the community, in your home, on a sports team, in school, at the beginning, you want to be involved in mostly, absolutely every aspect of the work. But if you don't learn to recruit and train others, you're going to get burnt out. And soon, you will not be benefiting others, let alone glorifying God. So again, relying on the principle of delegation as present throughout the Bible, is key in involving others. A couple of examples, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And 2 Timothy 2, 2. And what have you heard from me And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Not surprising then that the apostles, rightly so, include and in fact delegate to the congregation the choice of the seven. It may may have escaped your notice, it said the whole of the disciples, all of the disciples. So they they knew who belonged to the church when they gave that responsibility to them. And that's partly because they belonged and partly because they knew the people within the body, so they knew who they should put forward. The 12, now by now, they've replaced Judas. They're back up to 12, okay? Rather than imposing the solution from top down, they involve everyone in this process and neither neglect nor micromanage. Therefore, giving the believers far more ownership of the situation and opening the ministry opportunity for those who are chosen. We also learn that the seven are delegated to and guided, all of this is guided by certain principles and qualifications. They were to be known to be full of the Spirit and of wisdom. Notice they did not say they should be chosen for their skill in serving food to widows. Think about this when you're filling out nominations for deacons and elders. You're looking for people of a spiritual maturity, uh, not just because they've been here a long time or you know they're good at a certain role. I got a job at a deli, thanks to my wife. I knew nothing about food, but they gave me a chance because I was teachable, right? They say the best ability is availability. To put it another way, God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. Although we only hear of two of the seven again in Acts, Stephen and Philip, thankfully the two I can pronounce really well, (laughs) but we learn from both of them that they did far more than waiting on tables. Their involvement, again, of all of the people And the fact that the proposal pleased the whole group is really important. Well, let's wrap up with one final effect of delegation, that it leads to effective ministry and growth. Leads to effective ministry and growth. Verse 7, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is more than addition. This is multiplication. This is exponential growth that the gospel was spread 
eagerly and joyfully. People were going out with this message of Christ crucified and him resurrected and sharing it with people because they knew it had changed their lives and they wanted it to change other people's lives. That is what is delegated to all of us to share the good news of the gospel. We need to have that energy, that excitement, that need, that drive. I love the way the children run out, run out to jumpstart. Who wants to go with them? Yeah, there's at least three of us, right? Um, I would love to see that energy as we leave this, but don't go running. There is cake. But, um, but to go from here and to equip and to serve others that they would know the gospel as well. Is that truly our desire as, as that is delegated to each one of us? We've said many times in this church that we have pastors, but everyone is a minister of the gospel. takes delegation. It takes all of us getting involved, seeing effective ministry and growth. So let's take part in the art of delegation and seek to combat division, reduce overload, involve everyone, and be effective in ministry and growth. To his name be the glory, the honor, and the praise now and forever. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your encouragement. We know we have been given a task that we do not do alone, but we do together, and more importantly, we do with you. And today, as we pray those things, we also pray for those who are in times of need. Many of these have served and continue to serve in many ways. Would you continue to bless them, guide them, lead them, give them healing and health when they are in need of it? For Jerry and Nell Maiden, John and Cindy Schmidt, Virginia Busby, Chris Smith, Jan Vogue, and John Duke. And Father, we continue to pray for another expression of your local body, and indeed for all of the churches within the valley. Today we pray specifically for First Baptist of Phoenix. We pray that they will reach out with your good news and your gospel and stay true to your word. And Lord, as we see many ways in which that is being attacked and people are being uh, persecuted even within our own valley, for standing true on your word, would you come around those brothers and sisters in Christ and enable and encourage them to know that you are with them. And Father, we continue to pray for our mission of, of this week, for our care of chaplains committee, Lord. And by, selfishly, as one of those chaplains, I am thankful for that committee and its work of reaching out to chaplains wherever they might be, on the front lines in a war or in a hospital or in a business wherever they might be, that they would know that they are servants of you and they have support from you. This and more we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.